absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and I got my good buddy here, Scott, with me tonight. Scott, what's the good word? Yo, what's happening? Uh, looking forward to talking about some golf, some interesting stuff going on. Yeah, uh, there really should not be this much happening in a week like this. Uh, middle of November, week before Thanksgiving, there should not be this much to talk about, but there is. Uh, I mean, you know, little news maybe dropped today. You know, uh, a tiny bit. A little bit. I mean, we might as well get right to it, right? Oh, of course. All right, so Brooks Kepka is out of the President's Cup. We mentioned this uh, uh, two, three weeks ago and said, is this knee injury something that we should start taking seriously? And it looks like we might need to, Scott. He made those comments about Rory, um, kind of, you know, uh, puffing his chest out and, and adding a little bit of bravado to his comments as to say, hey, even if I don't do anything ever again, I've won four majors. Uh, I wonder if it's as bad as... Do we know how bad it is, Scott? Is this just a precursor? Is this going to be Tiger 2.0? Is that what Brooks is turning into? So, interesting. Interesting you should ask that. Uh, I personally don't think that's the case. I just think maybe he's not 100%. He doesn't want to push it and head down to Australia to play in something that, and in all honesty, President's Cup is cool. It's cool playing for your country, but, you know, Brooks Kepka has essentially defined his career by majors and really only caring about those. So does he really care a lot about this, this team event that doesn't mean anything to him? Probably yeah, not. I, so he's I, not going to push it. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, the, the dude's a one-man army. Right. He doesn't right. need anybody. Uh, you know, he's able to blow off best friends and stuff. Last thing he needs is to go down to Australia, um, you know, especially if the knee's recovering. One of the biggest things doctors will tell you is do not fly because of the pressure in the cabin. The swelling will increase. We don't know how far along he is. We don't know exactly what happened. He's very low key. He's very close to the vest, just like Tiger is. He says, I have a knee injury. And Tiger said, told us he had a leg injury, you know. Uh, 11, 12 years ago. And that turned out to be a, a, a broken leg, right? Right. At, at, at Torrey Pines. Um, so it's one of those things where, where we don't know. Um, were you surprised that Ricky was his replacement? I would think that that was the least surprising thing that has happened in golf this year. Yeah. And I'm including Tiger winning the Masters. <laughs> It seemed like almost, even when Tiger made his picks, um, it seemed like just a foregone conclusion that if anything was going to happen uh, to DJ Brooks, it was going to be Ricky, you know? I right. think it's and honestly, I think it's one of the reasons he didn't pick him. Yeah, I, I, obviously. And he could have, so he had two options. He could have not picked himself, picked Ricky, and then when this went down, said, well, I'm going to step in and do it myself. See, I think that's cooler. Like, that's the I think, ending to the movie. So I think that is cooler, and I'm actually surprised he didn't go ahead and do that. But maybe he kind of had the – because, you know, Ricky's been ill. So maybe he kind of had a, a little heads up. And we know Tiger and Ricky talk uh, that, you know, he might not be well. Let him get through a little bit of the antibiotics, see how he's feeling make sure he can get himself back into form because he hasn't played golf in forever. Right. Um, he's, competitively. He's just, hey, he still has a month. There's still a month away. For the right. No, what, what I'm saying is now they know he's going to have time to get himself right. right. And so now, now's the time to do it. Yeah, Maybe, sure. you know, a few weeks ago when Tiger had to make the picks, Ricky wasn't a hundred percent sure he could go. At any point in time when you heard that, that Brooks was not going to be going down to Australia. Did any part of you long for Brendan Todd to get that pick? Take the hottest player on the planet right now. 
if they were playing the tournament today, maybe. Um, he, here's the thing. It, it's one of those, do you take someone who's never been in that situation before and then thrust them into a President's Cup situation? Or do you go with one of the people who's a little bit more tested, who's been through it before? Um, it's a tough call because obviously Brandon Todd's won his last two starts. So it's hard to argue there's anyone hotter than him. But it's a whole different environment once you get into that, that team event. And, you know, who knows? You know, they talk so much about team chemistry and what's good in the team room. You know, who knows how Brandon Todd is with any of these guys, if any of them even know him. Right. I mean, well, I mean if we well, I mean, obviously they know chemistry. I mean, we got we have Patrick Reed in the team room. I don't know how good the chemistry is with him and everybody. But I, I get your point with the people that have been there. But that's, I think, one of the problems that have derailed the United States teams in the Ryder Cup and the President's mm -hmm. Cup over the previous years is we just stick with who's been there. And there have been better players out there. And maybe guys that have been hungrier for those spots. But we get like this malaise where we just go with who's been there. Oh, he, he, this, you know, player X played in three President's Cups and two Ryder Cups. Eh, just pick him. Well, the dude hasn't had a top 50 in six months. Eh, that's okay. He's been right. with us, you know? Right. That's well, the one thing that's... that I don't like. I would, love, I would love some new blood. I love the Finau pick. That's, that's phenomenal. Like, that's I love Finau. Uh, being there um, you know Woodland's played team events before but uh, again I like Woodland what has Woodland done since the U.S. Open right not a whole lot what has Patrick Reed done lately right well Patrick Reed won the Northern Trust yeah but how long ago was the Northern Trust it's two months ago uh, it's more recent than Gary Woodland's most recent win very true but not as recent as Brennan Todd's two wins no, definitely not. You see what I'm saying? It's like no, I got you. That, yeah, that's the whole thing with with uh, with picking these 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 players is that you and I understand how golf is, right? It's one of those right. things where a dude can look. Brendan Todd has just won two in a row. Um, last year, Brendan Todd was ranked outside the top 2,000. Yeah, I didn't right. make that number up. I didn't mess that number up. 2012, he was ranked. He literally, Scott had been making phone calls to become a pizza franchise owner. Okay, that's how far down this guy had gotten in the golf world. I mean, literally hitting things sideways. Bermuda, Mayakoba, back-to-back tournament starts, back-to-back, -back, not back-to-back -back weeks because there was that week off in between. Right. But his last two starts, the last two starts on the PGA Tour, Brennan Todd wins. Like, this game is nuts. Right. And if, you know, if someone would have told me, you know, in September, hey, listen, who's going to win two tournaments in a row in the you know middle of November? Uh, no, at no point in time would I have named Brandon Todd. No, I mean, who who would a guy that missed 37 if, out of his last 40 starts? If you gave me two choices, Brandon Todd and Smiley Kaufman, I would have taken Smiley. I probably would have, too. I mean, it's it's this is this is a redemption story on par with Tiger Woods. Uh, minus statistical demons, yeah, yeah, and statistically, it's a better comeback story. Yes, which which is nuts, and 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 it's one of those things that'll get glossed over, and no one will really talk about because it's a fall series event. It didn't happen in the U.S. There wasn't much coverage. I mean, hell, Shotlink wasn't even there. You know, they don't even bring the Shotlink yeah, no. to Michael and Bermuda. So, you know, but but I, from a I mean, we were calling it the Kucher Caddy Classic last week. Right. We weren't right. even going by the real name. No, and, and 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 that's the thing. Like, it just these tournaments, you know, become almost a laughing stock because again, there's so many of them. But what the guy did was just insane. I mean, he put on a clinic. He was. He won one going away. He was pressed uh, at this last one at Mayakoba uh, by Vaughn Taylor, of all people. Um, you know? Yeah, Adam Long, Ortiz. The leaderboard was like a, a list of sort of like guys who had been 
you know, around for a long time, but not like really in the, you know, in the public eye, you know, and yeah, I, thought was, I thought that like was kind of cool. 2011. Right. That's where the yes. leaderboard looked like it came from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hats off to Brennan Todd. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to call it a President's Cup snub because let's be honest, all the actual picks were made well before this had occurred. So for people to be up in arms about that is ridiculous. And if you don't think Tiger had a backup plan and you don't think the President's Cup committee had a backup plan in case DJ and Kepka couldn't have played with their injuries, you're just kidding yourself. You know, there were guys in line, in order. Uh, and, and Ricky's right up there with points. You know, let's be honest, Brennan Todd's nowhere near uh, those top 12 guys in terms of points or anything. Right. The, the question, I think, becomes who goes if DJ ends up pulling out, which I don't think is going to happen at this point. You know, do, yeah, they, I, then, I, do they then go to, to Kisner? Do they go to Spieth? Those are kind of the two, like, names that are out there. I think I think Kisner is a better choice than Spieth, but oh, I significantly, all, yeah, I think it's all a moot point because I I do not believe DJ's out because if he was, I have a feeling around the same exact time, it, it would be known. Quite honestly, I was very surprised it took Kepka this long to let Tiger know. Um, maybe it was one of those things where he said, "Look, I've got another follow up. The doctor's going to let me know in two weeks." Are you cool with that? And Tiger was like, yeah, dude, we're good with whatever, you know? Uh, like I said, I almost wonder if they were waiting on Ricky, too. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah, he had a little bit of uh, Montezuma's revenge there. Yeah, it's probably a combo of both, you know? Yeah. So, and then if, you know, and then if Ricky couldn't go, then, you know, then it's Kisner and, and we move on or Spieth, although it probably would have been Kisner. Or maybe Tiger gives his buddy Phil a call. <laughs> that is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't see that one happening. <laughs> no. By the way, um, just going back to the Mayakoba, um, we've talked a few times about bad golf trophies. Yes. You, you don't the, like it. It looks like – I'm just going back to the website. It well, looks chameleon. like a, a loaf of bread that <laughs> – like overly rose. Okay, I can see that if you look at it from the tail end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's that weird bleached color, like bleached flower. Um, but 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 I will just say this: if you had a ton of trophies, right, and they all look the same, like if you go to Pinehurst, if you go to the USGA house, right, in New Jersey. Um, if you go to Marion, if you go to Oakmont, if you go to Wingfoot, any of these old established courses, when you go to their trophy rooms, all you see are the same types of, you know, U.S. Open style, uh, Wanamaker, PGA Championship style trophies. So right. I like something that's a little bit different. And this is different enough where if you had it amongst all these other trophies in your house or, or your museum or whatever – People would look at it and be like, hey, dude, is that like an Aztec sculpture or a tournament win? And you were like, oh, it's a tournament win. Let me tell you about it. But if you look at all the other ones, they all kind of blend into each other, you know? Yeah, I so guess I'm, I'm, right. I'm cool with it because it stands out a little bit. And it's a lizard. Like, that's kind of cool. You want a big lizard. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean, you know my opinion about, you know, PGA Tour you know, social media and everything. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it's a lizard, like it's really hard to tell from their pictures that it's actually yeah. a lizard. The casual person who's just going to look at it real quick is going to be like, wow, that's a silly looking trophy. Uh, better than Sanderson? Uh, no. Yeah, I don't think so. Sanderson, that's the, that's the best <laughs> trophy in golf. <laughs> I, I cannot disagree. I mean, aside from holding up the U.S. Open trophy or the Wanamaker, um, or I, I think the coolest trophy is, is the Masters trophy, which people don't even realize. Oh, is a trophy. That, that by far is the best trophy. Yeah, everyone thinks it's the green jacket that they get, but, but the, cl- the replica gold clubhouse, which you know is hanging on my Christmas tree, which is up now. I've put mm. it up. I have that ornament hanging right in the middle, dead center. Uh, that's the coolest trophy in all the sports, I think. Sick. Yeah, I think I'd rather have that than 
pretty much anything. Yeah. The the NBA trophy is kind of cool, but it also kind of looks like something you would get for like being like, you know, the ten year old like rec league champions. Wait, so now we're comparing other sports trophies as well? I mean, not really, but we can. Oh. Well, you just said the NBA trophy. <laughs> I just yeah, I just threw it out there. Oh, okay. Well, I yeah, think the I, World, I we think don't need World to... series trophies. One, the best one then. Oh well, yeah the 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 World Series one's pretty really cool. Yeah, with all the flags from all the teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty sick. Um, hey, did you see? We 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 always talk about tour pros messing up, right? Mm-hmm. This time, I think the tour pro got it right, although he screwed himself. You see what happened with Russell Henley and the one ball rule, and him getting penalized eight penalty strokes. Yes. So it it it's nuts. To, he, here's okay. Good. Let me. I'm going to try to. I want to. I want to word this correctly. Okay, so I get my point across to people. The the Byron Meth interview we just did. Mm-hmm. He talked about how there should be bifurcation between amateur and pro rules. I, I want to give you a um, idea of how that works in football. Okay, so people understand. In high school football, all you need is one foot down in bounds for a catch. Correct? So far, so good. Same thing in college football, Mm -hmm. right? In the NFL, which is a pro league, you need to have two feet in bounds because you're expected to be that good. There's a difference in rules. There's a difference in a high school three-point line mm -hmm. and an NBA three-point line, right? There's differences. In golf, there are zero differences, and the rules get very murky the deeper you go into it and the problem and the nfl experiences last year is with these gray areas so russell henley was penalized eight strokes because as he was handing out balls to kids and autographing them for fans at the end of the tournament he realized that he had a pro v1 x with the left dash Hmm. something he probably just threw in his bag to goof around Right, or, or tried putting with it, or someone said, yeah. hey, hey, whatever, or, or even rolled him back the wrong ball on a putting green. Something as simple as that. Right. So as a stand-up guy that he is, goes to the rules officials, and he says, hey, I must have played the wrong ball, or at least I had this other incorrect ball in my bag. I'm not sure if I hit it or not. I don't know. So it takes eight rules officials to get together, it takes them almost an hour, and they retroactively go back, and unbeknownst to me how they decided what holes to give him penalties on, but gave him eight penalty strokes. And they basically just surmised that he must have done it on this hole, this hole, oh, you made a birdie, and then you put that ball in the bag, you made a bogey, you said you gave a ball to a kid on 13, we'll give you two penalty strokes there. It's just, it's nuts. And what's even crazier is like the one ball rule extends to color variations as well. So if you had a Pro V1X in white and you had the same exact ball in yellow, Pro V1X, and you switch that out during the round, you're then penalized. Right. You could be uh, penalized. You could be disqualified from a tournament for, for not signing a scorecard. Or your partner adds it up incorrectly and you don't catch it, and because they can't do math, you can get DQ'd. Well, I have a confession to make, um, and uh, perhaps we can uh, you know, come up with a ruling for this. But uh, last week when you, myself, and Dan played Van Cortland Park, I played the first 17 holes with a, a Callaway uh, ball, and then I played 18 with a, a Titleist Pro V1X. So... I did not finish the round with the same ball I started with. Scott, I'm going to tell you, it takes a big man to come out here in front of all of our listeners and admit a wrongdoing. And not only am I not going to penalize you under the DSGA, which you Thank and you. I know is the Dan Scott Golf Association. Mm-hmm. We make our own rules. Um, I'm going to applaud you and, and possibly even present you with a uh, animal-like trophy at some point in time for your honesty. Hmm. 
Thank you. Thank you. you. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. We'll, we'll record the, uh, you know, the acceptance speech one day on the pod. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's just, some of these things are insane and I get it that they're tour pros and I get that, uh, you need to be a little bit more strict and stringent, but you and I have been playing golf together for what? 20 plus years now, right? Yeah. It's gotta be somewhere around there. Yeah. And we've always referred to basic common sense rules as the DSGA, the Dan Scott Golf Association, right? And the DSGA has never been wrong. It's always used common sense as its as its uh, bottom line. Yeah, and we've never think- and we've never told anyone like on the seventeenth hole of a major that they might be assessed with a penalty. <laughs> Twice they did that too, Lexi yeah. and DJ. Yep. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's crazy, man. The the rules of golf are insane. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. When I coached high school golf, one of the things that was mandatory for myself to purchase for my team with our budget money was the USGA Rules of Golf book. Now, each of those stupid little paperback books cost like eight dollars, you know, because you know you know, you buy them in, in bulk or whatever, and then you get ripped off. Right. So I would hand it to my kids. Now, you knew, you know, my kids playing golf. I mean, they were just, let's just say they weren't golfers. You know, they were nice kids, but they just weren't nice golfers. Um, these kids would look at me and go, Coach, what am I supposed to do with this? I said, you're going to keep it in a pocket of your bag, and you're never going to look at it. Because hmm. the way that you play golf is never, ever going to lend itself to you having to utilize any of those rules whatsoever. Uh, yeah, you'd almost, I, I mean, I guess if you had to buy them, you had to buy them, but you could have probably just printed them up offline and been like, here, just give this back to me at the end of the year. Dude, that's a lot of pages. That's a ton of pages. And they all say the same thing. It's nonsense. It's true. We got a lot, there's, there's many more bigger problems in golf than dealing with the, the rules of golf. But I, for one, do think they should be simplified uh, for amateurs. Yes. And and just going the the NFL you know college high school uh, analogy is perfect, and not only the the what makes a catch rule, the fact that they even play with a different ball at those levels. I don't know yeah. college and high school I think use the same ball, but the uh, NFL ball is no, a little no, bit bigger. No, that they don't. I do, I do not think they do. I don't think they do either, but I'm not 100 percent sure. And let me tell you this: I can tell you emphatically that let's take youth soccer, right? There are different mm-hmm. size balls that go from one all the way up to I don't know what a pro number is, but you know, uh, my son who plays, my 10 year old son who plays travel soccer plays with a different size ball than my oldest son who plays U14. Um, they play with the same size one that the middle school uses. I think the high school uses the same. Collegiate and professional levels may use a different size. Um, you know, same same thing. Take youth basketball, right? You have a a five to seven year old league. They're not using a regulation size ball. You know, things right. need to be modified for the level. And and I understand the argument from a lot of people that say golf is a great sport because every single person that plays golf plays under the same rules. But let's be honest. If you were the guy at a club that every weekend was making someone take a drop from their knees and taking stroke and distance, I mean, you would be the most hated person at your club, hands down. Mm-hmm. People want and there's, to out and, have and there is always that guy. There, there is. Um, and, and a lot of the times that guy is someone that's not even taking the rules into account for himself. You know, he's bending them a bit, but he wants everyone else to play by them perfectly. Uh, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with two different, with two different rules. I'm cool with the equipment being all the same, quote unquote, the same, or as close to the same as possible, you know, and having limitations on everything across the board. But the, the amateur game needs to speed up. We, we need to, make it more common sense related. That's the bottom line. Yep. I agree. Hey, Tommy Fleetwood won the Ned Bank, Scott. And I'm going to give you a stat. I, I This blew my mind. I'm literally mind-blowing. It's his first win in 22 months. That's almost two years. 
Interesting. How many PGA Tour wins do you think Tommy Fleetwood has? Three. None. At the most. None. No PGA Tour wins. He's got four European Tour wins. But not a single PGA Tour. Uh, God, I, I was going professional wins. I, I knew he didn't have any actual PGA Tour wins. It's crazy, Pop- though, when you hear that name, right? Yeah, because... He's always in the top 10. I mean, he just got back to the top 10 in the OWGR, but it seems like he's always in the top 10 in the majors. Um, you know, he's finished second at the Open once, finished second at the U.S. Open, making a great living. I think even more so than Ricky, which was what everyone uses as the modern tour pro, Tommy Fleetwood's literally the modern tour pro. few high finishes, a win here and there every other year or so, every two years. And you're living high on the hog. Yeah. Yeah. He's, pretty good I mean, thing. it's a fairly decent career. I, I mean, some of those, I mean, some of the wins he has are, are bigger wins. Yeah, he's got two, two, two Abu Dhabi wins. Yeah. Those are, those are bigger. And if you those look at the big. runners up, they're pretty yes. solid names. One was DJ, one's Ross Fisher. Yep. Um, he's got the, uh, the Johnny Walker, which was at Glen Eagles, you know, mm-hmm. great course, big win. You know they're not they're not like uh, Moscow Open wins on the European tour, you know. Right. Uh, so so they they are big wins, but you know the fact that he only has fours is mind blowing. Hmm. Because again, he's a guy that the European tour pushes. Great personality, PGA PGA tour, excuse me, pushes him a ton, just like they do Ricky, uh, just like they do Spieth. Although Spieth has backed it up with major wins, it's just a guy that you would think. Right off the bat, like if you know you, you say to someone, "Hey, Tommy Fleetwood has how many wins?" Like, oh, eight, nine wins. Like, no, no, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, eight, 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 and the, the list of people with eight or nine wins is is astronomically, you know, solid. Yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him up in that stratosphere, but yeah, I would think he would have a couple PGA Tour wins, but I guess not. Yeah, you would think by now, but still a young dude, still a young dude, right? You know, time left. Um, I guess last story about golf last week, you see the, um, Latino America tour, Brandon Matthews, as he was putting guy in the audience screams in his backswing, misses the putt. You know, he looks over understandably pretty mad. Uh, but it turns out it's an older, uh, gentleman with a mental disability. And I, I thought like this should have been, this should have gone everywhere. This story. So Brendan Matthews misses the putt, loses the, the tournament, um, but goes over to the guy. And, I mean, this sounds so corny, but makes it a teachable moment. Signs a ball for him, signs a glove, uh, takes some pictures with him, you know. And he was like, look, the dude was, like, so excited. And, and even when I came over, he was so excited. He's like, there's no way in the world I could have been mad. Um, and this is not on the PGA Tour. This is not a guy – Racking in three, four mil a year. It's a guy in the you know PJ Tour Latino America who's fighting for his life out there, grinding. And the fact that he's got the wherewithal as a as a you know a young guy compared to us uh, to do that, I, I thought was mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, good on him. That's exactly the right way to handle that situation. And you know, hopefully, good good karma comes back to him, and you know, he can uh, you know come out and get another win or get yeah, a win sure. in sure. exchange for this one. Yeah. Um, so we had some friends of the pod that were down at, so the RSM is this week, right? The old yep. McLadry classic, the RSM down in Seattle, Georgia, the, the Davis love tournament of champions, if you will, last yes. PGA tour event of the calendar year. And so the RSM had Monday qualifier, like every PGA tour event does. And so our buddy Mike Creed was down there with Tyson Alexander. Um, and Tyson Alexander was one stroke out of the eight-for-one playoff. So they took four players. Um, top guy was Cole Miller, actually a guy from my area. Uh, I coached against him when... I was going to say, uh, that name sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, he's from, uh, from Neutropoli, uh, PA. So from me, about 30 minutes southwest, and he was uh, a double-A player. Uh, my team was in triple a, uh, same district and everything out of Northwestern, I believe he was. So finished high in States and stuff like that. And, uh, gosh, I, I 
can't remember where he went and played collegiately at, but he was on the McKenzie Tour last year on uh, PJ Tour Canada, qualified for the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. Uh, actually, plays played on the same exact junior tour that my kids play on, the Lehigh Valley Junior Tour. So big name, and you know, from from my area here in Northeast PA. So anyway, Cole Miller wins the RSM. Um, he went to he went to Penn State. He did. Oh, you know, I, I okay. I thought he did, but I didn't want to say that. Okay. Yeah, so a Northeast guy through and through, goes to Penn State, plays on the PGA Tour Canada, like I said, McKenzie Tour, and wins the Monday qualifier at the RSM. So he goes like eight under or something like that. Two guys go seven under, and then there were eight guys, an eight-for-one playoff that finished at – oh, seven-for-one playoff, excuse me, that finished at six under. Tyson Alexander finished at five under. He was one away from that playoff. And the playoff went so long – Matt Atkins ends up outlasting Luke Guthrie on the third playoff hole in literal pitch darkness. They pulled a truck up. Okay, this is something you do with friends at a driving range. They pulled Mm -hmm. a truck up and put the high beams on so they could finish out their putts. Luke Guthrie said that when he hit his tee shot, he saw it go for 10 yards and then disappeared. When they were walking down the fairway, he couldn't even see Matt Atkins 20 yards away from him. That's how dark it was. Scott, this is a PGA Tour Monday qualifier. What in the world happens if it goes to another playoff hole? Here's the thing. Why can't they just move it to Tuesday morning? So the first thing I thought was why can't they move it to Tuesday morning? Same thing you said. First thing I thought then, since we have media for the RSM, I've been getting a ton of these emails with all the schedule. There is literally no time at all. However, however, this wasn't even being played at either of the courses that, that the RSM was being played on. That's what I was just going to say. It's played it's at Brunswick sea Island. Country Club. Right, and this tournament was at Brunswick Country Club. Both Sea Island courses are wide open, so it doesn't matter. I mean, are busy, but it doesn't matter. So they're playing in Brunswick, Georgia. I have no idea why they couldn't just roll it over to the next morning. Unless there's some unwritten PGA Tour rule, which I am unaware of and you're unaware of, that says a Monday qualifier must finish on a Monday. Yeah, I mean, I get so the it reminded me. This reminds me of the the match with Phil and Tiger, where yep. they had to like, t- you know, turn on all the lights they had in the clubhouse and right and had you know, no have, like, idea shipping contests. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it, it is. Look, I know you're in the southeast. Okay, you're getting a little bit more daylight. But anyone on the East Coast is in pitch darkness, complete blackness by 540 at night. Everybody. Like there's no one on the East Coast that is light at 6 p.m. at this time of day or this time of year. Excuse me. So these tournaments know this. Um, the, no, everyone said the pace of play was fine. There was nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. They started early. It's just you had seven guys. The playoff went so long. Um so maybe it's one of those things that with travel and getting entry into uh, the RSM the next day, maybe it needs to be done by a Monday, but they literally pulled a truck up, Scott, and put the high beams on. Yeah. The Sea Island Complex has three courses. Right. Just move it to one of the other ones. Ah, whatever. I just, I, I, you know, my thing is, okay, let's say they both birdie and they go to a fourth playoff hole, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh. We've seen that before. Oh, sure. Like, what, what, what do you start doing? How do you even then find balls, you know, after, after they've been hit? I don't, it, it just seems comical. It seems like it was so poorly planned. Um, and it just, I, don't, I don't get it. I just, I'm at a loss for words. I, I, I hope when this, when we release this tonight, someone messages me. And you on Instagram and just says, "Oh, here, he, here's why. It's this rule or something." Because I don't get it, Scott. Yeah, I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why they would not just push it to another day. I, I mean, there, there's obviously rules that we're not aware of. So let's just assume that there's one of those rules that we're not aware of, and that's okay. why. Yeah, I'll take I, that. I mean, I, uh, uh, yeah. I don't even, yeah, just silly. There's people's livelihoods at stake there. Well, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. You're leaving it down to like, okay, uh, 
you don't do well in darkness, right? You don't do well driving at night. Nope. So let's say you and I are playing, and I know that. Maybe, Maybe I'll start walking a little bit slower. You know, maybe I'll take my time over some putts and try to extend it because I know that once dusk hits, I've got a decided advantage. Right. You know, you, 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 you wear glasses. What's not to say that the glare off of this truck's high beams and the way it refracts off of your glasses, you know, causes you to not see the line correctly on a putt? Right. And, and you know, who knows? I mean, who knows what Luke Guthrie's deal is if this was played, you know, under, you know, average conditions, if, you know, something, you know, changes for him. I, I mean... Uh, again, it, it is the rules of the rules. You have to deal with the conditions as they are. But it seems like when you could avoid having a weird situation like that, you would just do that. Yeah, it seems very bush league to me. So, especially for a PGA Tour Monday qualifier. Um, but the RSM is this week. It is the last tournament on the PGA Tour calendar. Uh, the RSM debuted in 2010. It was the McGladder. It's always been at Sea Island. Davis loves home. Uh, a lot of players make their residence down there. Zach Johnson down there. Kucher down there. A ton of others. Kisner was down there for a little while. As a fall event and probably one of the most overlooked fall events because it is at the end and there's nothing after, you know, except for the next uh, year, which, look, most people really – don't even think the next year starts until the Tournament of Champions uh, at Kapalua. It's got a pretty good winner's field, Scott. Um, here are the winners so far since 2010. Heath mm-hmm. Slocum, Ben Crane, Tommy Ganey, Chris Kirk, Robert Streb, Kisner's one down there, Mackenzie Hughes, Austin Cook, and then uh, Charles Howell III last year. So yeah. you've, you've got a run of like, again, that, you know, that, <laughs> those, winners two all sound, yeah, those winners all sound like a, a who's who of uh, the PGA Tour from 2007 to 2012, you know? This is, it, it's, it's kind of a low-key, really good field, too. You know, because you, like, as you mentioned, you know, there's the, the guys who live down there. They're all in a, a super group. Yeah, um, big, big contingent. You know, so so you have you know Kucher, Kisner, you have uh, Ch- you know Charles Howell's playing. You know, obviously Davis Love is a huge name. Um, his son Drew is playing. Well, of course, uh, uh, Lanto. He's in there. Yeah, Brendan Todd. Brendan Todd's uh... teeing it up again, going for three straight. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be insane. Brendan Todd, number one in the FedEx Cup, Lanto. Cal Rizian second in the FedEx Cup. Obviously, Rory's third right now, uh, not playing. Um, you know what I? You know what I? Lanto and Todd are playing together. Are they? That, they're they're yeah. Group. That that's a super group right there. Just because okay. they're one and two. Yeah, and then uh, the way they run at the Plantation Course and the Seaside Course, split rounds one and two, and then everything else is played out on the Seaside Course. Now, the Plantation one is the one that Davis loves uh, company has actually redone this year. That's the one that had its grand opening. And so they're playing one round on that. So, I mean, you know, that's pretty cool to, to be in the field in a course that you just redesigned and just spent a ton of time working on. Right. One of the interesting tidbits there is everyone's taking a picture. I don't know if you remember about three, four months ago, there was an oil tanker that ran aground down near the Golden Isles down there. And you could see it off of like two of the holes, two of the greens. It's uh, it's pretty wild. It's still there, right? Well, the water's like so shallow, and even at high tide, when it comes in off those barrier islands, it's just not enough to pull it out. And I, I'm curious how long it's going to be there for. I think they should just keep it there forever. You think like a shipwreck type thing? I think they should integrate it into the course. <laughs> it's pretty far offshore, Scott. Well, they can get get boats, and then they could put up some like scaffolding, like that. Uh, you know, the stadium links. And make a, a a weird 19th hole. What if they did stadium links from the shipwrecked ship? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Do it. That And that's how you settle your Monday qualifier. I, I That's probably just as good <laughs> as turning on high beams from a truck. It's like, all right, guys, tomorrow what we're going to do, just come out here. 
We're going to hop on a boat. We got a, a tea box set up out on that, you know, rickety old uh, tanker. And we're going to play to this green. I mean, go. better yet, why don't they just why don't they just go like first player to hit the shipwreck broadside is in. Uh, Top Golf could throw some targets on it, and you don't you even go. need you don't even need light. You can just listen for the sound. Yep, it's like a, a sudden death type thing, you know, miss or make. Yeah, I I feel like the Euro Tour would find something cool to do on social media with that. Oh, they definitely would. They yeah. they launch like Molotov cocktails at it. Yeah, they turn it into a whole a whole uh, a whole social media phenomenon. For sure, for sure. Um, but that's a, that's a cool area of the country. I, I, again, I am, I'm very biased to that area. Mike created our buddy who caddies out in the Corn Ferry Tour, sent me a picture. Um, and basically it was, uh, you know, an old oak tree with um, Spanish moss dripping from it. Sun was setting down over a bunker, and he says, this has your name written all over it. And I was like, oh, hmm. gosh, dude, it was just uh, it's perfect. Gorgeous, gorgeous area of the country. And, you know, Sea Island is, is beautiful. The cloister down there is just uh, – uh, great place. So it should be a decent tournament. The weather is actually looking pretty good this year. A lot of times they get kind of iffy and it gets like 45, 50 down there. And you got guys in like baklavas up to here and winter hats and mm. gloves and whatnot, you know, because they're not used to those temps down there. Um, I got a funny message, Scott, before we had gone on the air here to record. And an old coworker of mine who is retired just bought a house about a mile up from uh, a club that I used to belong to, right? No free ads, especially for them, so they don't get one. And that was the same place that I used to be a club champ at. So Hunter and her husband went out to dinner to celebrate their, their new house. And she sends me a picture of my name up on the, on the plaque there for the, the club championship, which was actually a pretty cool trophy, Scott. You know, it was an old-time it, golfer in knickers. Yeah, that, that plaque is fairly prominent in that uh, – that's a, I guess we call it the clubhouse. Uh, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's not the clubhouse. It's the Did restaurant. They redo that cool locker is... room. When they put it, at, have you been there in a while? Yeah, they put a simulator. That's what I thought. Uh, someone had. It must have been you who said they were going to do that. Yeah, the locker room was gone, which sucks because it was really like those old time metal lockers. They had a little bit of rust, a little bit of character. Uh, you know, a cool bench with cleat marks in it. Um, but they needed, I guess, some revenue for the winter. Um, but yeah, that actual, that restaurant is that, that house, it's a stone house from, I think 1895 that's been renovated inside, but the exterior is all original. And, uh, you know, the names that are around my name are much shorter names. And for some reason, the font for my year is so big and my last name is rather long that it just looks Mm. It, it it uh it's a different font and it must be the last year they used that big font and everyone else's font after that is smaller and plus the guy's name after me who won it twice after me his first name is four letters and his last name is four letters um so it just looks overpowering overpowering overpoweringly mm. enormous when you see my name up there so it was cool that was a cool memory to to uh to get back and see again so what else is yeah. going on with you uh, in the world of golf? Anything? What is going on, on with me in the world of golf? Uh, well, it snowed here yesterday. Are you serious? So it did. Um, my daughter had a, a two-hour school delay also. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, right now, I, it looks okay. I'm looking out this window as if it's not completely dark out. <laughs> um, but once the, the first snow hits the ground – courses start to close i did get emails from a couple courses in the area that i'm on their their mailing list they're done for the year mm. um one place uh is running essentially just shotgun starts on saturday and sunday and basically you get here at 10 o'clock and then there's a shotgun start at 10 o'clock 10 o'clock is essentially the only tea time hmm uh, and I guess that's how they avoid dealing with frost delays and backups. And they figure they're not going to get too many people. So come at 10, get your golf in. And I guess maybe they let people out when everyone's done. But at that point, eh, you know, most people aren't going to be going out at, you know, two thirty, three o'clock on a, on a Saturday or Sunday in yeah, the middle of November. 
So that's probably what's going on there. The one court, the, the garrison is my, that's my barometer for when the golf season truly ends. Because mm-hmm. uh, when they take their flags out, so once they don't leave the pin in, ah. that's when, uh, that's when the golf season officially for me ends. Gotcha. Gotcha. Up until, up until the, you know, that there's still a chance. Yeah, so, I swung by, uh, swung by Hideaway the other day, pick up my last paycheck for the year for uh, working the last big chill tournament, and you know they're still open. Uh, Kevin, the pro there, is going to be there till December twenty first, and we yeah. haven't had any snow yet. Uh, we had two, you know, winter scares, if you will, of ooh, will we, won't we have a two hour delay or not? And nothing's come to fruition yet. But uh, I still haven't been out here to play. Next week, heading down to North Carolina for the week. So I'll get a bunch of golf in down there. It's supposed to be mid-60s. Looking forward to that. But after that, Scott, I mean, everyone else in the Northeast knows that it kind of closes up shop. Once once December and the New Year hits, it's, it's kind of closed. I've got two indoor places near me which are looking promising. I've got one down. It's a Top Golf Swing Suite, which is like a smaller version. Mm-hmm. It's all simulators. There's no actual you know, targets out there. But you can rent them out by the hour. And then I'm not sure if you remember Infinity in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, that was down by me, down south. And so Mm. that place had simulators, had a big indoor chipping green, two indoor bays, which you could hit the ball like 30 yards or so. I mean, you could hit driver, but you can only see it go for about 30 yards. And um, then they had like a putting green and all this stuff there. And it's under complete new ownership, and I messaged them about maybe doing a remote pod from there. So that's something that that might be in the future once they have their grand opening. I, as you, I remember you telling me about this, and for whatever reason, I had completely put it out of my head until you just brought it up again. And now I really want to go there. So. <laughs> Hopefully they get back to you about doing that remote pod because I like the idea of an indoor chipping green slash putting green slash 30 yard driving net in the middle of the winter. It's a place where I would say even without using the simulator, you could spend, uh, you and I could spend two, three hours there. I was going to say, I mean, I don't even need to use the simulator. Right. For 30 bucks each, you and I could spend two, three hours. We could also do nine holes or 18 holes end up spending four five six hours there with food for maybe 70 80 bucks which quite honestly in the middle of winter uh that's fantastic you know yeah i only use simulators if i can play with pgx golf clubs (laughs) those are the cream of the crop when it comes to simulator golf um yeah and that's really it bud i don't think there's anything else going on um i want to definitely thank our sponsors McEwen golf and boston scott golf they've both got some really cool stuff coming out and uh make sure that you go and just check the liner notes and check our instagram page as well as our podcast page on anchor and you can see all the links to to them but uh, there's some cool stuff in the works from both of those companies, which I'll be very excited to share uh, down the line. And hell, bud, we're hitting the off season pretty soon, so uh, you know things will slow down a little bit. But you know, in the golf world, things never truly stop because they're always chasing the sun somewhere. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, for for me, well, again, once the the golf season ends around here. It's just a countdown until Saturday morning rain sessions, which usually pick up again in mid-January. There you so. go. You have any uh, golf projects in the works over the winter? Changing clubs, anything along those lines? I do really want to get new irons. Uh, I I had gotten fit, um, but based on your experience at Spargo, I may uh, pretend that that never happened. Think maybe a uh, a spring trip might be in the works. I actually probably want to do it like late winter. Okay. Um, oh, like uh, I'd like to have them. I'd like to have them by spring. What's that? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Well, let me know because uh, John, I'm sure, would be more than accommodating, and I would easily meet you at your house and tag along. 
you know, and completely um, just as we, we talk about, you know, other people that are friends of the pod, uh, you should mention uh, Dan's train on main, um, you know, golf fitness uh, via video conference. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. He's uh he's in Cancun right now and it's like eighty five degrees. He's sending me pictures and and letting me know. Uh, he he's gets not nothing then. Golf. What's he that? He gets nothing then. He gets nothing then. <laughs> so uh so train on Maine, a personal training studio in Strasbourg, PA, is running a golf fitness academy. And they've actually they actually have the head pro at, at the course where I used to be a club championship where you can find my name up and he's he's doing it there. And he's a member and he's joined. Uh, but what Dan is doing for Leave the Pin podcast listeners is he's going to open it up to video conferencing. And literally, you would never need to drive or fly wherever you are to Northeast PA. And you can do everything that they do in-house. And he'll do FaceTime sessions with you, uh, Skype sessions with you, uh, you know, text message phone call whatever you need to to get that done he'll let you know exactly what equipment you need uh and it's not a lot you know it's a it's a a ton of um light bar work band work and just a lot of mobilization and 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 stretching which he goes through. and i've seen the program he showed to me it's fantastic and so you can go to trainonmain.com you can just search that on google it's train-on-main.com check that on instagram train on main and dan will completely hook you up with the leave the pin discount there. And like I said, you have no need to travel whatsoever. Everything in today's day and age can be done over the internet. I mean, hell, Scott and I do this show, you know, 200 miles apart. Mm. Yeah, I may be, uh, I may be calling Dan when he gets back to maybe do that myself. No doubt. No doubt. We could, then we could uh, videotape it and, and throw it out to the world. Well, do a little, I th- do a little I, video package. That could be part of the uh, the the Winter of Style project. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, I like. All right, my man. So that's it, right? I think so. All right, we're good. All right, people. So we either get busy golfing or get busy dying. All right, be good. <laughs>